Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. It is already November, which means it's Hockey Fights Cancer Month around the NHL. Mark your calendars now as the Anaheim Ducks will host their annual Hockey Fights Cancer Night on November 15th when they welcome the Detroit Red Wings to town. Now, looking ahead to this week of hockey, the Ducks are back on the road as they travel to San Jose on Tuesday night. This was the first of two meetings with the Sharks this week, with the other coming on Saturday night. A lot of goals in last night's win at the SAP Center, and it took a shootout for the Ducks to close it out. Anthony Stolar's second start in net this season, showing out with 39 saves. On the Sharks' end, defenseman Eric Carlson had an impressive night netting a hat trick. The delayed celebration of hats was sort of bizarre that happened. The fans waiting to throw hats on the ice until the puck was about to be dropped for a faceoff, but they got it done. So here are some of AD's takeaways from last night's Ducks game. Beginning with Adam Henrique finding his groove, netting two goals in the first period, Great to see this from the veteran. Kevin Shattenkirk also assisted on both of those goals. Henrique is now three goals away from 100 as a duck. Two of the new guys netted goals last night and Frank Petrano on a one-timer in the first period. And Orion Strom also a one-timer off a pass from Troy Terry. Vetrano continuing to show off with that impressive shot. Now, speaking of Troy Terry, he has looked very dominant this season. I really like the way he's been commanding the team. He looks comfortable and confident. He led the forwards group in ice time last night, and he went on to have the game winner in the shootout, following up an incredible goal by Trevor Zegers. If you didn't see it, go catch the highlight because it was really crafty. Another thing that I liked from last night, the Ducks had 11 different guys register a point. This is always a positive thing when you're getting points from all across the board, just continuing to look very improved in a lot of areas of the game for the Ducks. But the power play has still struggled on the road, so hoping to maybe see a power play goal this week. Next up, the team will travel to Vancouver to take on the Canucks on Thursday night at 7 p.m., you can listen to the game here on Duckstream with the call by Steve Carroll and Dan Wood, as well as Josh Brewster. In today's show, I want to highlight one of our top prospects here at the Anaheim Ducks having a very strong month of October. First round pick 10th overall in this year's draft, Pavel Minchikov was named the OHL defenseman of the month this week. Pavi is with the Saginaw spirit of the OHL and led the team and league with 18 points through the month, six goals and 12 assists. He even started the season with five points. Really great to see as the future of the Ducks. Now let's go coast to coast to hear some of the best goal calls from around the NHL last night. Certainly a lot of goals being scored this week, beginning with the Arizona Coyotes and Florida Panthers game on Tuesday night. 
a big night for the Yotes, who had their first win at Mullet Arena. Their power play has been on fire so far this season. 11 power play goals in nine games, and two of those came last night. Nick Ritchie netted this one. Hear the call now from Bob Heathouse. Here's Keller now through the neutral zone, over the line, looking in front for Ritchie going to the net, just out of his reach. Sent to the right point, Gostas Bear with it. Into the corner for Boyd, behind the net to Keller. Center point, Moser. Back to Keller, outside edge of the left circle to Richie. Tees it up, he scores! Nick Richie takes the pass from Keller at the top inside edge of the left circle and fires it by Knight, his fourth power play goal of the season. And the Coyotes have the lead 2-1 to one with 11.05 to go. Next up, the Minnesota Wild faced off against the Montreal Canadiens. Minnesota getting a 4-1 win on Tuesday night. Eight goals on the season now for Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov. Two of them coming last night and one of them coming on the power play. This one had to be reviewed as it bounced high off the pipe, but it stood as a goal. Listen to the call from Minnesota's Joe O'Donnell. Finds Boldy, bottom left circle, toss one in front, they score! Well, they're going to review it. Kaprizov put his arms in the air, and let's see what we have here. Well, <laughs> the most anticlimactic <laughs> reaction from the faithful. He put it in once, then he took another swing at it. He just wasn't quite sure, but it's a goal. Next up, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Boston Bruins battled on Tuesday night. It was a high-scoring affair in Pittsburgh. The Penguins scoring three consecutive goals to take a 5-3 to three lead in the second period. But the Bruins stuck with them. 5-5. Five, five. They had to go into overtime. And it was the former Duck, Hampus Lindholm, who netted the game winner. Hear the call from Bruins' Judd Surratt. Lindholm with it. Hill motor back of the net, now scoots up left wing, out to center ice, over the line, high slot, left circle, shoots, he scores! Hampus Lindholm, bullseye, right over the glove, the Boston Bruins spill over the bench, they have rallied back from a three-goal deficit with four unanswered goals and win it 6-5 to five in overtime here in Pittsburgh. The Bruins have now won 9 of 10 for the first time in franchise history to start the season. What a way to start November. The last goal call from the night, the New York Rangers and Philadelphia Flyers facing off. The Metropolitan Division has been tough this season. But the Flyers have found some early success under new head coach John Tortorella. Now, there were no goals through regulation before this one went to overtime. Chris Kreider, the New York Ranger, had plenty of space off a pass from Miko Zibanejad. And this one would go past Carter Hart. Listen to the call from MSG Radio Network's Kenny Elbert. Down to a minute five. Here's Hayes into the Ranger zone down the right side. Back out, Konecki shoots, misses the net. Puck carries all the way around. Here comes Zibanejad, lead pass, breakaway. Chris Kreider moving in, in overtime, Deeks, and scores! Rangers win! Chris Kreider in overtime. 
One last piece of NHL interest this week, a big Monday night for Buffalo Sabres, Tage Thompson, who recorded a six-point night on Halloween in the Sabres' 8-3 win over the Red Wings. He had a hat trick and three assists. Now he became the second player in Sabres history to have a point on eight consecutive goals since Pat LaFontaine in the 1992-93 season. Thompson just really showing out on Monday night and having a great season so far. He signed a seven-year contract extension after having a strong 68-point season last year. So definitely showing that that contract came into good use for the Sabres so far. Now, an area of the sport of hockey that has really grown over the years is analytics. Teams are starting to implement them more into their daily routines, analyzing all the data to grow their game on the ice. Mike Kelly has worked in analytics for a number of years now and has been a part of experiencing this growth. Listen for more from him in this next segment. Joining Light the Lamp now is NHL Network and Sport Logic hockey analyst Mike Kelly. Mike, great to have you join us today. How has the hockey season been treating you so far? Hey, well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's been great. It's We're getting lots of goals and uh, the games have been exciting. Um, you know, we're starting to get closer to that kind of one month into the season, 10 games, starting to see maybe what teams are at this point a little bit. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Now, I want to start by going back a little bit and getting some of your background as well. Where did the interest in broadcasting first begin for you? Um, I have vivid memories being about 10 years old and watching, you know, up in Canada, what was called Sports Desk, which is now Sports Center, which people in the U.S. are familiar with on ESPN. And, um, you know, I love sports as a kid and seeing, you know, these guys sitting there in a nice suit on a nice set talking about sports and reading highlights. And I was like, that's a job. Like you could do that for a living. That's crazy. So um, I knew from about the time I was 10, I wanted to get into broadcasting and I uh, went to school for communications and then for broadcasting as well and had kind of an idea of being, um, being a sports host of, of some sort. And I ended up doing that for a while up at TSN in Canada. I hosted sports center for a while. And it's one of those things where, um, I did it and I kind of had this feeling of just accomplishing a goal that I had since I was a kid. Um, but, you know, not, I don't, it's, it's hard to describe not having a feeling of like, yes, I want to do this forever, but just mm -hmm. kind of like I did it, you know, I, I actually did it and that's great. And it's a great job. I, I'd love to still do it. Um, if, if, you know, that was in the cards, whatever. Um, but, you know, then I started to get really heavily into analytics and, and that side of sports and hockey, and it's taken me down this new career path, um, and I get to do TV at the same time, so I, I consider myself very fortunate. Was it always hockey that you were interested in? Yeah, hockey, I mean, I'm a stereotypical Canadian kid. My dad took me <laughs> to a game when I was three months old and um, just grew up with it. I love baseball as well. I was big into baseball, played it, uh, really liked it, but hockey was you know, you're born in Canada. You, you, uh, you, you just, it's a part of your life just growing up and watching it. And, and, um, you know, my, my parents to this day live in Ottawa and they sit around and watch Sens games when they're on and just what we did. It's been a bit of a tough start for the Sens this year. Yeah, it is. You know, I think the hype was a little much around them. I, mm -hmm. I kind of had them like, you think about people were like, Oh, they added to brink it. They added, 
um, Giroux and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Talbot and Forsberg and that, and could they be a playoff team? That was the big talk. They missed the playoffs last year. Uh, top of my head, it was either the playoffs or fourth spot in the Atlantic, which you kind of need to get by like 27, 30 points, something like that to make that up in a season mm-hmm. is astronomical. So, you know, I think they've actually played a little better than the results have been for them. I think their, their record will start to improve based on how they're playing, but I still think it's a, it's a growth year. Yeah. It is always tough to judge a team like so early in the season, but obviously it is so important to get off to a good start early. So you kind of have that in your record as you move through the season. And maybe if you have like a dead area or a dead span um, that you're not winning games, it's good to have that as that cushion. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there is some of that small sample size stuff you have to watch out for early in a season. But at the same time, there's also, you know, I, I focus very heavily on the process and you hear coaches and players talk about it all the time, right? Because that's something that you can control more than a result. You might run into a hot goalie and despite putting 50 shots on net and dominating a game, you might lose. You can't mm-hmm. control that. You can control what you can control. So, you know, there's examples already this season of teams with pretty good records that I know we're going to drop off. And there's there's examples of teams with not great records that I know are going to be stronger. Um, you just see it bear out year after year after year. So those are the kind of things that I look for. Now, with your interest in analytics and your work there, how did that begin for you? So I was working at the NHL Network as a host, and um, I'm glad this is an audio-only podcast because <laughs> I knew I couldn't cruise by on my looks in television for sure. So... I kind of, you know, I'd be teeing up these analysts and we'd be talking and I, you know, more than just, you know, hey, that's great. We'll be right back after this. I I wanted to try to add something to the conversation that I could add and always had an interest in statistics um, and data and um, started working with a a proprietary third party analytics company. um, And you started using a bit of that information on the air as, you know, okay, I, I can bring a little bit of this side to it. And uh, enjoyed it so much that I ended up actually leaving broadcasting for a while and joining the company I'm with now, SportLogic, where I've been for six years. Um, And SportLogic works with almost every team in the NHL as a data supplier, uh, really has its hooks into what's going on in the league, industry-leading data and and technology, and it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So it's just a way to understand the game. I've always been one of those people that's just... Yeah, but why? You know, yeah, but why? My teachers didn't like me. My parents, I probably drove them nuts. But um, that's just how I'm wired. So it's the same thing with hockey. And it's uh, it's been really cool now because I get to blend so much of what I do with people who played the game, people who coach the game. And they have their perspective and I have mine. And when everybody's open-minded, you can do a lot more together than either one of us could do on our own. So um, I love it. It's great. As a broadcaster myself, math was never my favorite area in school. So Mm -hmm. did you like math then? I like simple math. (laughs) Um, You know, I I wasn't, I wasn't great at math and it's not, I didn't go to school for, you know, statistics, Mm -hmm. um, computer science, anything like that. I think what's, you know, been helpful for me is that I came at this, the first 10 years of my career, I spent in different roles at TSN. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time watching games at night on hockey shows with people like Dave Reed and Craig Button and Mike Johnson and Jamie McLennan. And I got that side of it first. And honestly, I came in there at 21 thinking, I, you know, hockey fan my whole life. I know a lot and I'm young and I think I'm smarter than I am because that's what you are in your <laughs> early 20s. And uh, I realized that I wasn't. And I had the open mindedness to just kind of allow myself to tear down what I thought I knew about things. and 
let these people help build me up and watch the game in a different way. And then I got heavy into the numbers side after. Mm. So that to me uh, has, has given me kind of a unique perspective where um, I used you know, data to be the foundation of what I do in terms of analysis, but I know it's only part of an equation and I'll never look at numbers, no matter how good they are uh, and say, well, that's it. Because I know that there's, well, what, what about the system they're trying to play? What about the, the personality? What, there, there's so much more that goes into formula, formulating uh, analysis as a whole, holistically, than just one thing. Um, so I think, you know, I, I was able to gain a pretty unique perspective by coming at it from the hockey side first. Now, with teams using more analytics and data scientists and everything behind the scenes, how much have you seen that grow over the years? Oh, it's huge. It, absolutely huge. Like when I joined SportLogic uh, six years ago, there were, I'd say maybe about half the teams in the league, mm-hmm. you know, with something really going on in analytics. Today, everybody has at least somebody dedicated to it. Uh, most teams have departments. Uh, some are bigger than others. Um, most teams are spending, you know, good money on, on acquiring really good data and putting really good systems in place from an engineering standpoint. Um, it's become for most teams a a big part of what they do. And again, a part of it. So um, the great thing about it though, is that, you know, one, one thing that I'll dispel a little bit that you you people listening probably hear often is, well, this is an analytics team and this isn't an analytics team, or this is an analytics decision. It's just information. Mm -hmm. That's all it is, right? There is no analytics team because everyone can have access to the same information relatively and draw different conclusions from it based on who's using it and who's evaluating it. So the competitive advantage that existed when I started of just having it is gone. Uh, Now the competitive advantage is who can interpret it most effectively and apply it most effectively and communicate it most effectively. Now, when you're looking at where some of these teams are at, I mean, you mentioned some of them off to a hot start, but you feel like they might drop off later. Uh, What teams in particular were you referring to? Philly. Philly's a big one. <laughs> okay. Um, look, I, and I love what, you know, I, the Tortorella comes in there and he's got them playing tough. And I watched that Ranger game last night and they did a good job just kind of muddying up the middle of the ice, those critical scoring areas and, and not allowing those East West passes. And, and they work hard and I love all that stuff. It's great. Um, but I can't sit here at the same time and tell you objectively that, yeah, this team is, you know, their record is kind of what they're going to be this year. They're five, two and two. And, um, Carter Hart has been the best goalie in the league this season. And he was unbelievable again last night, getting mm-hmm. a point, uh, taking it to extra time. So no goalie can play at that level over the course of an entire season. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. And the things that I look at that, that hold true always are, what are you creating? What are you allowing? Uh, independent from whether the puck's going in for you or in against you. Um, and Philly's not creating a ton and they're allowing a lot. So that's that's one where it's going to slide back a little bit. I think the Islanders are going to slide back a little bit. Um, I love what Buffalo's doing. I think that's going to slide back a little bit. Um, so th- those are a few teams I would pinpoint to say, you know, hey, let's talk in a month. If I'm wrong, egg <laughs> on my face. But uh, pretty good track record of being able to evaluate this way, and, and usually it bears out. Now, on the contrary, what teams do you see maybe on the rise a little bit later as we move into the season? Yeah, so... I mean, St. Louis, just because they can't be Mm -hmm. this bad forever. They lost five in a row. You know what? Defensively, I've got real concerns about that team because they're usually pretty locked down and and they're, they're sloppy right now. They're allowed that game against the Kings. They just played like East West. 
one-timers. It, that's not St. Louis hockey. Um, one thing I'll say is offensively, they actually look a, quite a bit better than what they produce. Now, they're last in the league in goals, and we don't expect that to stay the way it is, but they're getting good looks. So they're going to start scoring. I'm not hanging as much of it on goaltending as I think the market kind of is. Um, but, you know, they have real problems right now. I'm not, I'm not saying they don't, but they will be better. So that's one team. Uh, Ottawa, like I said, will be a little better. Colorado's banged up and, and going mm-hmm. through some stuff, but they'll be better too. We all know that. Toronto's another one. I know uh, north of the border, center of the universe in Toronto, it's like uh, <laughs> everything's on fire right, right now up there and all that jazz. But uh, And they've played some real sloppy hockey. I'm not excusing it. Uh, the game against Anaheim, I mean, mm-hmm. look, uh, Ducks fans won't want to hear this, but when you got a 3-1 lead against a team like Anaheim that struggles to score in the third period, you shouldn't lose that game. And they did because they gave pucks away and they beat themselves. So they'll right the ship there. They started slow last year, but that's another one um, that I think we'll see start moving up before long. And um, Jersey's the team that, you know, they started slow fire Lindy, right? The chance and all that. And the devils have outplayed their opponent every game this year, like from a expected goal uh, standpoint, and they're the only team in the league to do that. And what happens? They start popping off. Now they're seven and three, like Jersey, the goaltending can be average for them. They're going to be scary. Speaking of Anaheim, as we move along in the season, how do you see the Ducks continuing to grow? Yeah, it's it's been tough for them, right? I mean, you lose Jamie Drysdale, and mm-hmm. he's one of the best skaters in the league, like in terms of speed, but also just effortless ability. I mean, you watch him, right? And, and right. you can just see the way he moves out there. He's so good. That's a huge loss for them. Um it's going to be tough. Like, you know, Zegers is doing his thing and he is a reason to come to the ring. He is so fun to watch and he's great. Troy Terry's playing great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adam Henrique uh, finally clicked in a game, you know, last game last night against uh, San Jose. He, he had a lot of good looks. He scored his first couple goals of the year. That's great. So I, I think there's going to be positives you can take from the season kind of individually in ways like that. But um, I, I still think it's a growth year for them of, of trying to get the younger guys taking another step. Um, continuing to build into the future. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to be a contending year for them this year, but I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth and, and there's really good young talent there. You know, Mason McTavish, uh, other people that are, like I said, worth the price of admission to come out and watch. Now with the young talent in the league this year, I've been very high on Matty Beneers. I watched him and covered him a little bit when he was at Michigan. Uh, who's your rookie candidate that you've had your eye on? Yeah, I think you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, <laughs> he's been awesome, right? I think mm-hmm. he's got five goals now. He scored again uh, last night. And, you know, he's he's not a big guy, but he just, he doesn't play. He, he plays fine. Uh, and, and he's got a nose to to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, I I think a lot of people, you know, you've seen him longer than I have. And there's other people who really do solid prospect work um, that maybe aren't shocked at all by what he's kind of done so far. Um, but he's, he looks like the real deal already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's been really impressive to watch. So I, I'd say Matty Beneers for sure. You know, Shane Pinto's a guy in, in Ottawa that's putting the puck in the net. He's going full Cy Young right now. He's got six goals and one assist. <laughs> um, but he's been good for them. Uh, and another guy in, in Minnesota on the back, on the back end is Kalen Addison, who's kind of had to step up and, and, um, you know, play good minutes, 18 plus a night. And, and he's been good, uh, good for them as well. So. There's a lot of good rookies, though. You know, Wyatt Johnson in Dallas, uh, mm-hmm. Kent and Columbus. There's there's fun guys to watch this year. Now, Columbus is a team that I feel like I've been a little bit surprised about this year. What are your thoughts on the Blue Jackets right now? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the line A stuff, losing him for a bit early mm-hmm. didn't help, obviously. The goaltending's really been shaky, uh, and that's going to torpedo any team um, that, that's looking to have success. I came into the year thinking they're they're not a playoff team, and uh, that's kind of what they've appeared to be so far. You go out and you get Johnny Hockey, and, and that's great. Um, I think anytime you can get a superstar player, no matter where you're at in terms of your trajectory, um, you, you, you should do it. I mean, as long as it makes sense cap-wise. And for them to bring an attraction into a place like Columbus where they've lost some players is, is a good thing. But mm-hmm. I still think they have a ways to go to be competitive. Being a part of the NHL Network shows every day, what is it like behind the scenes with the crew there? Oh, they're brutal. Just a terrible <laughs> group of people. <laughs> Honestly, it's, uh, they're, they're so good. It's crazy. I, I really love the people there. And it's, it's, it's the most fun part of the job. Like, you know, you, 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 every now and then you get people like, Hey, like it, it must be, and you get this too, right. It must be really cool to be on TV and that's, that's fun. And, and it, it absolutely is. Um, never take it for granted. The favorite part of my job is honestly the prep work and the research and the problem solving and talking, just roundtabling with all the people you work with, the other analysts, the hosts, the producers, um, the researchers, all that stuff. And they have such a great group of people there. Um, I'm really lucky to get to come down here to New Jersey and, and do these shows, um, do some from where I live in Montreal. Uh, they've been great to me. And it's, you know, like any job, if, if you're surrounded by really good people um, and good professionals, it just makes it fun. So I count my blessings. It's, it's great. I, I love working with everybody here. You mentioned Sport Logic works with all of the NHL teams around the league. Do you have any good stories from any of those relationships that you've built with people on the teams? Yeah, I mean, as you know, like people in hockey for you know almost exclusively across the board are, are really great people. Um, I found, and I think it's very lucky in that in that way. Um, you know, the stuff through Sport Logic's been really good because. Uh, I come from kind of broadcasting communications, that side of it. And I work in a place that is filled with PhDs and uh, AI experts, um, brilliant, brilliant human beings who I probably wouldn't cross paths, you know, otherwise if I didn't work there. Mm -hmm. And uh, definitely is an ego check for me anytime I think I'm smart. (laughs) So it's it's cool, like the the cross section of people um, that I've got to meet there in that place specifically and work with. Um, and they, and they give me a different way of looking at things too. And I'm, I'm lucky that way. Um, in, in terms of the hockey stuff. Yeah. Like I said, it's taken me down a unique career path where I've been able to go from, you know, the hosting kind of side of things into more of an analyst role, just based on the experience that I've acquired. Um, you know, I, I was asked a few times to do talks for groups of coaches and, uh, happy to do it. Right. Like I, I've worked with players, I've worked with agents, I've done a lot of work with people in hockey over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was excited to do that. And I, you know, I go into this zoom meeting one day and the first people I see are, are Mike Babcock and Barry Trotz and Ken Hitchcock. And I'm thinking, okay, like, you know, this is, this is a bit intimidating, even though you know, <laughs> I've done a lot of work with people, but I, I'm, I'm giving a talk to like, try to tell these people something. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've kept in touch with a lot of them and, and it's cool because like, you know, one of these coaches is an example. Like I, I shot him a text in the playoffs last year, noticing something about a goalie where, you know, his lateral movement one way on the ice, he was giving up a ton of goals the other way, really nothing. Um, and it's a small sample thing in the playoffs, but you wonder too, right? Like, is that a weakness a team could try to exploit and just getting his feedback on, you know, it, I'd love to know that as a coach. I don't know that I'd change the way we play um, because we're trying to do something specifically. And if we start changing that, it's probably going to hurt us more than help us. 
Um, and you have these back and forth conversations about these things and how to apply them. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work on kind of what wins in hockey in the playoffs. That's every coach asked me the same thing. Two words, what wins? It's all they want to know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and getting their feedback and having it be a back and forth as opposed to here's what the data says, do it. Versus right. them saying, you know, the data sucks. You can't do that. You have these open-minded back and forth and you get to a point where each side is like, you know what? That was really helpful. Um, that's probably been the most rewarding thing for sure. Mike Kelly, really great to have you join us here on Duck Stream. Uh, have a great season and I look forward to seeing you more on NHL Network. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh, enjoy enjoy the year this year with Anaheim. Uh, like I said, there's, there's so many good young players there and they're going in a good direction. They're a fun team to watch, so uh, enjoy it all out there. Thank you. Now it's time for my final quack for this episode where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show, as always. Now today is National Ohio Day, November 2nd. Why is this significant? Well, I wanted to give a shout out to my home state today, the place where many of my friends and family still are, a piece of home that I'm looking forward to seeing in just a few weeks. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again, as always, for lots more hockey talk here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.